Welcome to Let's Talk Common Sense with Michael Nee. It is so good to be back on this podcast. We make sense of the week's news and politics. It's been such a long time. Such a long time. But often, if you're a listener, you know we always have uh, two opposites coming together to try and make sense of the world's news. And today, my opposite is Afshan. Hello. Lodi. So good to have hey. you, Afshan. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm a little bit tired, but I'm good. So who are you, Afshan? Just really quickly for folks you are thinking, who is this woman? Well, I'm amazing. Um, I'm a writer and I'm uh, editor-in-chief of this media network called The Common Sense Network. Lovely. Don't know if you've heard of it before. Well, no. Uh, you know, what, what is The Common Sense Network? What kind of name is Common Sense? I, common Sense. Right. <laughs> so Afshan, it's good to have you Folks, we've been out of action for a long time. I- I've had people banging on my door, marching, you know. When's the Have podcast really? coming back, Mike? <laughs> when's it coming back? The world's been out of control. So everything's on fire and we need to make sense of it. So that's why we're back. We're back now and this is a bite-sized episode. This is a small one just just to get us back in the flow of things. And hopefully, um, uh, you know, we're back to our, a regular posting schedule very soon. I'm super excited. Quickly, some headlines for you. Jeremy Corbyn. Ooh-ooh. Of course, Jeremy Corbyn's in the headlines. His uh, kind of policy chief stepped down <laughs> um, and he says he's lost all faith that Labour can win an election. We've been saying this for a while on this podcast, but we'll talk about that in a little while. Uh, climate change, we saw over the weekend millions of people around the world uh, go on a global climate strike on Friday, um, inspired by Greta Thunberg, uh, as you know. And Dave Chappelle has announced two new shows. Now, of course, his latest uh, Netflix special caused quite a bit of... <laughs> discussion to say the least so we'll talk about dave Chappelle, free speech and things of that nature but before we go into anything i first i just want to say a word about jeremy corbyn who if you listen to this podcast you know i i'm so tired of you know jeremy corbyn when he first took over as labor leader for me you know he wasn't the most natural we saw his performances at prime minister's questions we saw him fail to get you know uh the 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 labor party at the best of times who are very kind of dissident in nature we, we saw him struggle to get them together and i but i thought you know what maybe he's a mad genius like kanye and if we give him enough time he'll come into his own wow. it's been years and we haven't seen him come into his own. Labour is still a cesspit of anti-Semitism. Labour is still not clear about what Brexit means. Labour still has no clue how to control momentum, which is which is Jeremy Corbyn's, you know, cult-like following, right? Who are, I mean, they, they just want to ban the whole thing up, pretty much. And and Jeremy Corbyn stands there in, in the middle of this war almost, and he's just quiet, limp at best. And it's such a shame because this, this is what, uh, this is what um, Alistair Campbell said before he left. The great Alistair Campbell. He said, I have experience when it comes to uh, being a party in a position and winning, right? And, 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 and winning office and, and, and being, being, uh, being the governing party. It takes a ridiculous amount of hard work, but also you have to have momentum on your side. Ironically, Jeremy Corbyn has a group called Momentum. But momentum has eluded him so far in his political uh, <laughs> aspirations. There's no momentum. There's no momentum. People have no clue uh, what, what the Labour Party stands for. And, and, and he's just not a leader you can get behind. And this latest resignation is, a, is an, another, another milestone 
I was gonna say Tombstone there, but that that that, that conjured wow. images back of a uh, of um what's his name? Remember the the bacon sandwich guy? I forgot his name. What's his name? The ex leader. His name just left my mind. This is crazy. Anyways, remember him when he put a put a tombstone up and he put like his promises, and he was like, "This is enshrined in stone," and then he was voted out after. Anyways. This is what Jeremy Corbyn reminds me of. So I'm just tired of Jeremy Corbyn. But I guess, Afshan, you're here. You have a different perspective. What do you think? I love Jeremy Corbyn. Of course you do. I think everyone's just a bit too hard on him. I think y'all need to, like, think about what it is you're actually upset. Are you upset with the the Tories and with the current political state? And you're just really annoyed and you're taking it out on somebody. And you know that you can't take it out on the Tories. So you're like... I know, let's take it out on Jeremy Corbyn because he's not doing enough. No, You're blaming no, him. Hold on, I, I hold on, hold on. You're blaming him for not knowing what Brexit is or what Brexit means. Nobody knows what Brexit is and what Brexit means. This is the whole discussion we've been having for three years. Even people that campaigned um, for Brexit don't know what it means. So let me get this right. You're, you're happy that the leader of the opposition has no clear, succinct Brexit position. Right then. I think I think because he's on a very similar path to most of us. <laughs> well, I hope not. He's the leader of the opposition. He's but I think majority majority of the people in the UK right now are in are in two bags. Right, we want to leave because it's been three years. Let's just leave already, and we're all tired. Um, or we're actually leave voters and and voted leave. Um, and the rest of the remainers, we're not, we know that nothing, nothing's ever going to happen with anything. So we just give up. Okay, you must be a Labour voter because I am confused now as well. What, 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 oh. what, what exactly are you saying? Here's my point, to be absolutely clear. When we have a weak opposition, bad stuff happens. For a deliberative democracy to work, you have to have two sides going back and forth. We are very clear about the conservative side. I mean, say what you want about Boris, uh, Boris Johnson, at least we are clear about what he wants. He's told us 31st mm -hmm. of October, which is when we have to have a deal by or we leave with a no deal. He says, do or die, we will leave with no deal. Now, I, I'm not going to say whether I support that or not. It's very clear, though, what his position is. Then you move over to, to Jeremy Corbyn or, or someone like Emily Thornbury, who, who, who is the foreign, as the shadow foreign secretary, I think. And she says, what will happen is we will negotiate a deal and then we'll have a general election and then I will campaign for us to stay in the EU. Th that makes no sense. And we've seen this play out on Question Time. There is just, there fails to be this, this leader in Labour that can grab the bull by the horn and say, this is where we're going. We saw what happened with Tom Watson over the weekend. I mean, bear in mind, uh, the Labour Party's uh, conference just started in Brighton. So this is the beginning of their, let's get everyone together. And already there was a bid to get rid of Tom Watson, who's the deputy leader of Labour. I mean, you couldn't make this thing up. It's just such a massive mess. And whilst this is going on, Jeremy, Co uh, David, David um, Gordon, oh my gosh, I'm having a, a meltdown of, of leaders. Gordon, Gordon Brown? Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson, Gordon wow. Brown is amazing, as you know. I love Gordon <laughs> Brown. But Boris Johnson marches on, pushing, pushing and positing this, 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 this hard Brexit uh, uh, line. And no one, there seems to be no opposition there to stop him. I think it's really difficult to be a leader of anything. It's really difficult to be a leader of anything. It's like his When mom. you've got, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I will, let, me, let me just say my piece. You've had yours. It's very difficult 
to be a leader of anything when you're constantly being criticized by the people that are supposed to be on your side. Sorry, this is politics. Okay? I know it's politics. I know it's politics. But what we're not seeing enough of is people criticizing Boris Johnson that's within his party. Enough to the point that we're actually going to get somewhere. You know, he's running around willy-nilly doing anything. And we're like, oh, here we go. We've got a slight maniac for um, uh, uh, prime minister. We need to do whatever he says and this is what's going to happen rather than actually challenging him properly and trying to work out what all this means for us. We know, you know, economists have done all the work that we know that Brexit is going to do us so bad. We are going to be screwed. Our economy is going to be screwed. Um, wh- why are we still doing this then? Yeah, I, th- I think you're fear-mongering a bit because um, lots of economists equally predicted the day we vote to leave, lots would happen that didn't happen. So I think we have to be careful about this. I mean, t- t- to go through some more detail, um, Andrew Fisher, who is, as we said, one of Jeremy Corbyn's closest aides, um, told the Sunday Times that he no longer has faith we can su- succeed. This is someone who was in the Labour camp. He, he, he goes to their meetings. He's there. You know, he said that there was this unprofessionalism, a, 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 a lack of uh, 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 a kind of grasp of reality in the Labour Party. They are still living in this cuckoo land that, hey, everything's under control. When in reality, we just don't have that. Right, we think we just don't have that. Uh, label so- uh, a labor uh, source uh, said that they didn't want to comment on this uh, because it's it's about staff and matters. But it makes no sense. You keep on having people leaving, anti-Semitism, uh, l- just lots of confusion around labor, and it's such a shame because this time, as you can see in the political climate, there is a desperation for political leadership, and Jeremy Corbyn cannot provide it. And Boris Johnson can. Well, he's clearer. I didn't. I didn't say he could, but he's clearer. I mean, uh, you saying a plague on both their houses? No, I'm just saying. Well, who else? And if not Jeremy Corbyn, then who? Really? There's so many leaders. You've got Tom Watson. You've got Emily Thornberry. I mean, your favourite, Diane Abbott. <laughs> You're laughing at the prospect of Diane Abbott. No, I'm laughing leader. at the fact that that there's so Harriet many other Harman. people that aren't actually. I don't know if they'd be able to lead the people in the way that Jeremy has. <laughs> He rallied so many young people, Arjaza. He rallied so many young people, moved them away from the Lib Dems and, 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 and got them into voting for Labour in a way that I don't think has been seen for a long time. You, you also know. lost some, some MPs to the Lib Dems. But anyways. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> let's leave that. There. What is happening with the Lib Dems? So they've kind of like come back, haven't they? They're making a comeback. Well, it's interesting. Like Backstreet Boys. They, they kind of, you know, they, they kind of become a, a kind of single issue group as well, which is if you're if you're not happy with with both parties approach to brexit join the lib dems you'll be okay there you know anywho let's move straight on to 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 climate change which uh the leader of the free world still thinks is a hoax by the chinese um on friday we saw millions of people around the world striking um inspired by greta um who is a younger i think she's 15 16 16 16 16. she's she's rallied millions of people around the world around this single issue i think jeremy corbyn could learn from her in fact he did give a speech actually saying young people i'm learning from you let's hope he learns a bit harder anywho what happened the pacific islands we saw people marching france we saw people marching the uk we saw uh thousands in london and even more across the across the whole of the uk uh marching what are they marching for essentially um uh, Afshan, what's your thoughts on this? They're marching for people to take notice. They're marching for something to be done about the political state of the world. Um, what's really, what's been really great about Greta Thunberg and and what she's 
accomplish in a year is that at the beginning it was just her she was the only one doing the school strike um and, and school walkout and now there are you know millions of people all around the world globally doing this because of what this 15 year old girl last year started um and i think it just goes to show that actually climate change is something that's affecting all of us it's going to be affecting young people more than it's affecting the old people because frankly we're going to be around long enough or not be around depending on what happens to the climate we're the one that are going to have to bear the brunt of and, and feel the consequences of everything that the older generations have done to us. The use of plastic, our carbon footprint, the way that we, we do not, um, you know, even re things like recycling. We're not environmentally friendly. We don't care enough about the environment because, oh, it will happen in... 50 to 90 years, that'd be fine, I'll be dead by then. And that's the attitude we've been going. Nobody cares about their children yeah. anymore or their children's children or the future generations. All we care about is the here and now, is that quick fix, that plastic straw, you know, opening plastic containers rather than going, let me just go a little bit out of my way to use something that's a bit more environmentally friendly so that I'm not damaging the, the planet. Yeah. One thing, I mean, eloquently said, I agree with you. One, you. Thi one thing she did say that, that was kind of poignant, she said, our house is on fire. Mm. We can't just stand aside and watch and i guess you know getting climate change at the top of the priority list if you like for for um for world leaders is amazing and we saw a major move in climate kind of talks and action with the with the paris agreement um but unless the usa move mm. what's what's really going to happen the usa are they use three times more energy per per person yeah. per capita than the uk they are ridiculously wasteful so mm -hmm. if the u.s doesn't move if we don't see major moves from china from india from these massive um uh, kind of um, block countries what's what's gonna what, I, what I, is the is this just a march i think i think we are seeing change i think that the countries are doing a lot so india i know for sure is doing things to be more environmentally friendly um you know to try and be a lot cleaner energy wise yeah what what that's doing is it will hopefully more countries around the world will take will start doing that as well and hopefully shame the us to do something about it one thing that i read um last year which really stayed with me was this idea that climate change actually affects the subcontinent more than it affects the western western Absolutely, countries yeah, yeah. and and in in so it's actually a racist way of doing it it's because of colonization and the way that um the you know the british and and other european nations colonized so many um indian and african um subcontinent places that they took away their resources so they have nothing to be able to actually stop flooding or to be able to build up against massive climate change you know major heat is going to actually affect crops it's going to affect life cycles it's going to affect livelihood of so many more people in the subcontinent than it is over here in in the uk and even in the us and that's What's difficult is that we're trying to get, and to generalize, white people in the West to care about black people in the South. And that's that's a really, really hard thing to do. Yeah. But what we can do is we can try, we, yeah, <laughs> but we can try and shame the US into doing something. I, I'm not sure um, Donald Trump has the capacity to feel shame. Wow. Statement. I don't think so. <laughs> so. So my fear is, you know, to what degree can we shame the US? Like, like you know, I mean, 
I'm trying to work out because obviously what they're looking for, I mean, when it comes to marches of these types, you always have two kind of concurrent things happening. One is a move in policy. You mm-hmm. want to see uh, uh, those in charge of policy really kind of move on things to, 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 you know, to, 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 to raise um, where climate change falls in the priority list. But equally, you need societal change. You need people to use less pla- plastics, to be a bit more caring about the, the environment. And, and I think both those fronts, there seem to be a bit of <laughs> lots of resistance. One is, and I'm thinking about my friends, and when we're in Nando's or in TGIs, and they give us, they give that that awful paper straw. I, I'm literally there, like, get me the plastic one right now. So there's, so there's a way to move on that. And when it comes to policy, we've got this massive, you know, economic competition that, that, that happens around the world, and, and this is why uh, Donald Trump said himself that he thinks. Uh, that that what's happening with climate changes is making the U.S. less competitive. It's making the U.S. Uh, the U.S. is falling down global rankings, and mm-hmm. and so so when I look at that, and I hate to be a pessimist or realist, I'm thinking all these marches, these kids missing schools, will it actually affect anything, or will it just get us talking? And I, and I know that's the start of most kind of revolutions, but is it enough? I think just the fact that we're talking about it, just the fact that we know that so many young people oh no, they got us. And, and kids are, are going out there and doing something, um, will hopefully make us, even if we think twice about what we're doing, even if you get, kind of go, oh, I want my plastic straw, but you know what? I'm going to make do without straw even or with um, a paper yeah. straw or maybe I'll buy a metal straw and use that and take it around with I've me. I've heard about these metal straws. Yeah. Where, where does one get one? Because I, I really would like... Amazon? I'm not going to go to Amazon. All them. Dot co. It's not that bad. Okay. <laughs> you can also get bamboo straws which are a bit obviously sturdier than paper ones. They're <laughs> way more recyclable. Um, uh, why do you know so much about straws? I, I didn't. I did. I just wanted to know... I, I like you. I... I, I I like my plastic straws and I really struggled with it. <laughs> right. But you know, you, you have new, to... A new expertise. But I just, no, I just feel like there's there's so much that we can be doing and it's yeah. just a small inconvenience for ourselves right now. In three years' time, we won't remember. You know, I'm just going to... So let's take us back to 2007 or 8, was it? When the smoking ban came into place. I know you're not a smoker, Mike. That's okay. Um, and some hey, people, speak for yourself. I frequently... <clears throat> Uh, yeah okay so <laughs> so when when the smoking ban came into place yeah. um it was to essentially help people um to stop secondhand smoking which meant that in pubs and bars and in places that were establishments you weren't allowed to smoke indoors that includes bus stops as well because of it being um you know if it had three walls um yeah. and a roof then you weren't allowed to smoke in there essentially ah. um what it's then allowed us to do, you know, in the first two years, everyone was like up in arms. I need to be able to smoke wherever I want. It was really inconvenient to go outside into the cold rain um, and smoke. But what, 10 years later, it is common practice. No one, you know, we're not complaining anymore about not being able to smoke in pubs and bars and in restaurants. But, but I, we don't, I, I we don't talk I, about yeah. smoking rooms and hotels anymore because we're you. over it. I got you. I, I just think that, and that's that, 10 years. I got you. And I agree. And I agree with the, with the metaphor, but you know, it's just, it's just categorically different. I think because that is such a small change because that you is, use plastic and not smoke. No, no, I think it's such a small thing to say, uh, step outside to smoke. Like it's something easily, easily. It's be, not easily for a lot of smokers. It's not. That means that you're taking. You have to walk. If you live in an office building, you have to walk down the stairs and outside to smoke, and then walk back in. That's 15 minutes of your day gone. 
Whereas if you can smoke at your desk, which people used to do, they yeah. would literally smoke at their desk. I got you. No, I'm not agreeing that there's, there's no change. Of course, there's a change. My point is mm-hmm. that change compared to having to only use certain type of straws, like, like that's a bit different, I would say. I don't know. I think if we put actually put our energy and effort and intelligence into finding renewable and environmentally friendly... yeah things to do then we'd be able to do it i think if we invested for example in bamboo straws rather than going to oh let's just use paper instead of plastic we'd actually get to a place where it would be not as inconvenient for us because it gives us the same thing as plastic does i agree i think you're right there i I was actually watching just yesterday um inside uh bill gates brain uh, decoding bill great bill gates it's a really interesting netflix series about his life and what he's achieved and and also here this massive fight he's on to cure the world of like some diseases and and climate change and stuff like that and it's crazy what you can achieve when you put money (laughs) and time um behind certain things you know so for instance he wanted to reinvent toilets and the way we use toilets and Mm. have you know uh kind of you know treatment kind of stations where they were self-powered and therefore more sustainable Mm -hmm. um and we're talking about billions raised you know he wanted to cure polio which um again the 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 program if you like or the strategy he he devised for that the Bill, bill and melinda gates foundation um, was going to cost six billion, so there's a lot of money needed here. But what was interesting about the the show was when you spoke about polio. So polio pretty much disappeared across the world, apart from a couple of places where the problem persisted. One of which being Nigeria. Um, and actually, what what was happening in Nigeria is the polio cases were going up mm. whilst we saw a global kind of downturn. So they went to kind of find out a bit more about why, and they they go into Nigeria and you know, they meet different local chiefs. And it turns out what's actually happening is, of course, one, we have issues with Nigeria's borders because the maps we had of Nigeria before this time were all drawn by the by the British long, long time ago, literally paper maps and stuff like that. And Nigeria historically has porous borders, especially in the north. So what had happened was um, the local kind of, you know, population, if you like, especially in the kind of rural parts, the northern parts of Nigeria, were actually saying that uh, that um, this uh, the help from the whites, if you like, from the West coming to give a vaccine mm. to medicine is actually um, population control yeah. and a sterilization and, uh-huh. and, and essentially comparing Bill Gates and, and and his likes to like the modern day Hitlers, you know. So he had to. And because well, of colonization Bo- happens, yeah. so you know, obviously there's a fear. Boko, and because of Boko Haram as well, especially in the north and the Ni- and the Niger Delta forces in the south, they were also resistant to this change. So what we saw was a massive political um, uh, barrier was erected by these different kind of militant groups or insurgent groups such that you needed the president, you needed um, folks in, in charge to also act as well. Mm. So it, it can't be done by simple well wishes and using the correct straw and stuff like that. You need policy from the top equally if you're going to affect the kind of change on it. You, it's so. right. In India, there's um, a plastic bag ban plastic ban you cannot buy plastic bags in the major cities at all and it's because of the pollution and and it's it's not just because well yeah it's also because you know it's, it's not good for the environment but it's just the cleanup is is difficult yeah you know and in places like india where a lot of people still burn their rubbish which is for so many reasons not a great idea um <laughs> 
you know, don't do that, burning folks. plastic. Do yeah, burn do not burn your rubbish. rubbish. Um, burning plastic just releases all of the horrible gases back into the air, um, and that's not what we need at all. And that's making it a lot worse. So actually, what they're doing is they're recognizing that actually the smog in Delhi is disgusting. You know, the smog in certain places, the the atmosphere, the smoke, the the health of people is literally deteriorating because of the way that the environment is. It is affecting us and actually costing us more money-wise, let alone the environment and, and our children and whatnot. It's, it's about, if you bring it down to like monetary terms, it is costing us a lot more to not do anything about this than it is to just sit on our hands. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, I, hey, I mean, one thing Greta's done and, and these mil- millions of people marching has done, it's, it's brought this, as you said, up the, the agenda. Folks are talking about this now. But you're still flying later on, aren't you? Absolutely. Now, the other person we are talking about and, and the people have been talking about is Dave Chappelle, who has announced that he's got some new shows coming out. Uh, now, we had a, ma- a, a right old debate, uh, especially in my friendship groups, but also um, in the network about Dave Chappelle. Uh, one, is he funny? Yes, is the answer. Uh, but two, I guess, he's one of the greatest of all time, if you ask me. But also, um, you know, is this new comedy special funny or is it uh, uh, t- kind of too far down the line or, 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 or over the line? Vice said people should skip it which if you ever want to have people run in millions towards your special, just get Vice to say you shouldn't watch it. So, so, so I think there was a boost. Hold on, let me just write that down. <laughs> um, but yeah, but what are your thoughts on, on Dave Chappelle? And, and I guess c- comedy, because it's, there's been an, a sustained onslaught on comedians for a while and what they're allowed to say and what they're not allowed to say and, and, ha- and what comedy should be. You know, I think comedy, for me anyways, was always a chance to kind of let off steam, to kind of you know, go somewhere, listen to some dumb stuff and just laugh. It wasn't a place I would go to and wear a suit to that should be prim and proper and everything politically. No, it's meant to be a place you go to to just lay your hair down and and say and, and have someone say something you were thinking, thereby affording you that release, that kind of cathartic feeling where you feel like, hey, he said what I was thinking and it's okay because it's a comedy show. But now comedy is under attack, I would say. And I don't, and, I don't think I, it's under attack. To get, oh well, let's hear your. No, thoughts I think, then. So I think. What do you think about Dave Chappelle? Um, I I don't know much about him. I haven't really really watched it. I read, Did you watch the special? No, I read the Vice article and decided not to. Right, so you are a follower of <laughs> no, Vice. No, I I no, I'm I'm joking. I the kings of comedy. There's there's I like watching comedy, but I only watch um, specific kinds of comedy. Like non-offensive stuff. Non-offensive comedy, <laughs> as in comedy that Speech isn't made is to. Okay, um, my issue. My issue with this is that it, it, you're right in that going to a comedy show where somebody says what you're thinking, it gives you that cathartic feeling. But that's the issue is that if people are thinking, hold on, if people are thinking these things, you're allowing people to go, it's okay for us all to be thinking this. It is okay for okay 90%. Because if it's something like, you know, black people are X or Asian people are Y or trans people are Z, then it's not a necessarily great thing to be thinking about people. We shouldn't be thinking bad things about people or thinking horrible things about anybody. See, I have to disagree with you there. You're saying me we shouldn't be thinking bad things about people. So we only ha- we're only allowed in your world to think good things about people. I like, to, I like to think that we have the capacity to be good. And bad. And bad. But I think, I think that we have the capacity to be good more so. And I think we should lean into it a bit more okay don't you think it should be people's choices of course it is whether they want to think good or of bad course things? it is you're saying that we should we shouldn't think bad things i'd like to think that yeah as in like i'd like people to just think good things and i'd like us to be striving for it 
do you think there, I don't think there are people out there actively striving to be bad I think there are people that are, are, are trying to be good and are just not and, and are making decisions that are like well actually right now you know plastic straws matter to me more than the environment does therefore I'm gonna use a plastic straw and that might be a bad action but actually doesn't make them a bad person they're not kind of going I'm gonna be really evil today and I'm gonna be a bad person and use plastic straws because I want to be bad do you know what I mean? And I think it goes down to that. I think we are inherently good people and we're striving to be good. It's just the way that we're often doing it is, is, is I not done properly. There. I mean, I think we're inherently terrible people. <laughs> All you have to do is go through my contact list to see, to see a, a list of terrible people who, 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 wow. are, who try to be good. Of course, wow. But hey, this, this comes down to, I guess, religious beliefs and things of that nature. So let's not go down there. But on Dave Chappelle, though, because I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts. So you, you didn't watch it. No. You were told by Vice not to watch it. I, yeah. And you decided... I actually Vice read the TCS article about it. <laughs> okay, cool. So you decided... So Vice... And, and some, uh, one of our journalists, uh, Richard Bolton, has actually covered this. So if you go on tcsnetwork.co.uk, you can read this. But essentially, Vice said don't watch it. You then said, like, you know what? Vice, they have good judgment. And I'm going to not watch it because it's offensive. My question is, what comedian do you like that's not offensive? Shopee Korsandi. Are you joking? She makes self-deprecating jokes about Iraq, Asia, all the time. So you, don't, you don't, I, so, so you don't find it offensive, and because of that, you watch it. So it's not about offense generally. It's just about what I think it's about who offensive. it's coming from, isn't it? And about what they're bringing to it. If you talk about your experiences from a personal from a personal Sorry, story... Sorry, is ridiculously like, offensive. She but she talks so from a personal experience. Things. She talks from personal experience, and I think that that's the difference. So if Dave Chappelle's not talking from personal experience, and well, he's he, he he's making oh. jokes, no, no, he's making jokes about other people. No, the whole he's making jokes about experience. he's making jokes about trans people and Chinese people, right? And and I think that if you're doing that rather than woman. that, doesn't mean that he can't then experience. be that doesn't mean that he can't then be racist. No, well, that's about racism. I'm just saying that's his personal experience. But he's not Chinese. No, but he's married to one. So that what, what's personal experience? Like you have to be Chinese, you have to be trans, you have to be these things to talk about them. I'm like, I think if you're talking about your story, then yeah. I so think if he's if he was talking about if he was talking about what it was like to be married I, I, to a Chinese woman, and that's the entire thing, and about what it's like to be a black man married to a Chinese woman, that's a different story. That's what he's talking about. The whole thing. Well, he makes jokes. I mean, it's th it's, this is what I mean. Like, that when you start policing humor, as in, if you're saying this from this perspective, as this kind of person, that's when it's funny. I think it, 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 it does. This is why we say, I, and this is why I genuinely believe there is a sustained onslaught on comedy because what we're saying is you have to be this height, this color, this person to say this thing for it to be funny. And that, and it, it Humans meant to be spontaneous. It's meant to be random. Sometimes it's irrational, but ultimately, it's 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 when someone says something that people in the room are thinking that allows everyone to laugh and have that sense of ah. But if we if we in Vice's world, my fear is what's actually funny now. Let me ask you a question: When yes, somebody please. trips, when somebody trips on the road, do you laugh or do you help them? Depends how far away I am. Oh my god! <laughs> Honestly, if I'm far away from someone and they trip up, I am laughing. If I'm on a bus and I see someone like kind of trip up, like or like they run from the bus and they slip, that's hilarious. Have Likewise, you ever have you ever tripped yourself? Yes, and I laughed on my way down. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I would help them if I was close enough. You know, so if I was next to them, I might even chuckle a bit, but I'll, I'll help them off. Because it, it's funny. No, it's funny you should I say that. I don't know, man. I just feel... people fall in Nova is actually my biggest, but that's what I find the funniest. 
I find out hilarious when people fall down the stairs, when people fall. <laughs> it's so funny. You're, you're actually an uncle. You watch Laura and Hardy, don't you? When you go, home. I, I can see that. I don't know who that, that is, but I might. I'm gonna add it to the list. Um. So, 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 are you saying we should help them? I think not laugh. Can't no, I both? just. I think you can. I think there's a different kind of hurt when you fall yourself and you laugh you're laughing at yourself you're laughing and you're allowing other people to laugh with you right when you're laughing at somebody else's pain without helping them i just feel like it's a bit it's a bit hurtful i think that we can do comedy and we can make people laugh and it's more powerful to make people laugh when we're not trying to offend and hurt other people yeah i think it's so easy to play pranks on each other it's so easy for us to be mean you know april fool's day every year when it comes around on the first of april you see an onslaught of people just being really really cruel to each other but there's a fine line between being funny and being mean and i think that's the difference is that sometimes with things like this where you have dave chappelle and other comedians that you know cross the line as it were they move into being mean because it's no longer being funny for funny sake it's now being funny you're trying to just get people to laugh and you're like i'll just say whatever it is so if that means hurting somebody or saying horrible things then i'm just going to say it because that's going to get me a laugh and that's going to get me more views and that's going to get me more money end of rather than what's actually going to make people feel good about themselves and make people laugh and i think that's where the power of comedy lies comedy is, i think it is i write comedy sorry i do write so i write a lot of comedy you know everything that's funny obviously duh. <laughs> you're the, you're the just, authority <laughs> on humor just a right. plug just a plug i right. have written an audio play that you guys can uh, can listen comedy? to it's comedy i actually watched it listen to it oh, i actually listened to mm-hmm. it did you yeah what did you think <laughs> let's move on so wow okay can we edit that out please <laughs> I, I haven't said anything at all but there's my point though you, you, you i get where you're coming from i think you're absolutely right it's a compassionate thing to say but i think it's just a little misguided on one part because unfortunately what it does unfortunately what it does is again it's an attempt to police what humor is i don't think humor has ever been about how do we get people feeling powerful that that might be a sub thing, but it's it's in, in in its rawest form. I think, think humour is about making people laugh. It's about telling us yeah. what we know is true. A belly what we laugh. We can say. A, a no, I think it's a belly laugh. I think it's about really with your whole body and soul laughing and feeling good not necessarily powerful but feeling good and that's why we laugh because it makes us feel good it makes our body feel good we release okay, endorphins okay, let, let me probe you on and that. whatnot so the, i get the feeling good part but what if the feeling good part was came from the fact that you were laughing at something and not necessarily the topic so for instance in jewish circles um there are magazines and lots of different uh, publications obviously and in those publications they are ridiculously self-deprecating they they they, they laugh about their experience their history it's mm-hmm. not fun in fact there's probably someone who's jewish who feels bad about it mm-hmm. but as a community it's funny right people laugh at it because ultimately you know that it's it's i mean it's funny i mean some things are simply funny like as a black man for instance you know when my mum pronounces stuff wrong for instance like when she says salad instead of salad that's yeah. funny we laugh at it i can't go oh it doesn't make her a soul feel good and her belly feel good so but i think i think it's, it's because it's been comedy. i think it's because those very things that we're laughing at now yeah. at one point and and do often get used as as being quite hurtful so things like mispronounced i've i've you know people have said really mean things to me about the way i pronounce things said things to my mum as well about the way that she pronounces things and that's really hurtful but when we laugh about it amongst ourselves and make light of it i'm trying to come to terms with that idea yes I but what's you. not great is when somebody not from that identity group kind of puts it online and then makes it up again because then it's like oh now i feel like i'm being attacked well here's the thing here's the great thing i guess about this 
you don't have to watch it. And I, you, and I you, didn't, you didn't watch it. I didn't but, watch you know, it. I, I, but I think the interesting thing is is just that whole. I'm just really curious as to what comedy will be in the future where I feel like, you know, what will happen is someone will kind of go with the vice again will tweet, this was categorically not funny. And it's like, well, no, people loved it. It's actually doing, it trended for a while, did really well because, hey, vice, some people actually do like it. And maybe we won't find common sense in this, in this kind of case, but definitely, definitely, I think comedy is about making people laugh. And not about the soul instinctively. Maybe as a sub point, but hey, there you go. Now, we've come to the part of the mm-hmm. show where we're going to do a myth buster or a jargon buster. Every episode, we're going to try and help you understand one thing that you may not get, that you may see a lot in pol- political discourse. Today, we're going to be talking about tactical voting. You've seen it happen. Um, uh, we've had different news outlets reporting what might happen. Uh, in a snap election when people tactical vote. Now, what is tactical vo- tactical voting? Tactical, vo- tactical voting, i got to pronounce it right, don't I? Tactical. tactical voting is when a voter supports a candidate other than his or her sincere preference in order to stop an undesirable outcome, right? This means, typically, a voter for a candidate you think has the chance of winning and not necessarily your favorite candidate. So what we might see is if we have a snap election where people don't want... Uh, uh, the conservatives to have a majority they will vote for anybody they think might be able to beat the conservatives but not their particular in, uh, uh, preferences so what happens with that is when we have MPs 650 of them elected they that they may not be a perfect reflection of the genuine views of the demos or the people in the population they might just be the uh, a reflection of of, 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 of people that 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 voters thought could beat the conservatives right and that's what tactical voting is so when you hear mm. fox say tactical voting it means voting for people who you don't necessarily agree with but you you just don't want to keep you don't want a certain party to win or a certain candidate to win and you're willing to do whatever it takes to stop them we saw this happen in 1997 when the Labour, SNP, and Liberal Democrat supporters voted for anybody who could defeat the Conservatives. And we, <laughs> it was interesting because it meant the, the political makeup of, uh, of Parliament you know, obviously went very well for Labour, right? But again, it wasn't because everyone was Labour, it was because people were tired of the Conservative government. Right? And that's what's actually. And we see this quite often with the Green Party, don't we? People kind of that want to support the Green Party but know that in their area it's not the tactical way to vote, so they'll vote for the Lib Dems or or Labour, um, and vice versa. But I, I do feel like it's it's great that that happens, but also it feels a bit disingenuous because then yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely disingenuous. And you are right there. I mean, there's probably a lot of people who support the Green Party, but you know if you vote for the Green Party in a, in a marginal seat where anyone could win, you are wasting time. Now, lastly, as a last part, did you see this is what we're calling this this, 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 this segment. It's a new segment. Did you see what I done? Came in a black band's left and a white That is, oh. that is This is like when your auntie <laughs> sings the song she heard in the, in the wow. shop and tries to fit in. Sorry, auntie, denied. Right, anyways, <laughs> moving on. Did you see this? I recently, had, I, I recently uh, booked a flight to Tenerife, which I'll be going to next month, fingers crossed. But I booked a Thomas Cook, who now apparently are about to go bankrupt. Um, and about to go into administration. Mm-hmm. And so thousands of Brits may be actually left stranded all over the world because Thomas Cook won't be able to, uh, to, to, to sort out the flights. And they're asking for the government now. Uh, they've been asking all weekend, but I think there's now a last-ditch effort 
by Thomas Cook to get a 200 million pound bailout from the government to be able to stay uh, afloat. And the government, it looks unlikely it's what the Times are reporting because mm-hmm. unfortunately the, the government isn't satisfied about uh, Thomas Cook's long-term viability. Mm-hmm. So they say, hey, okay, if we give you 200 million, who, you're going to be in this position in another four years. I mean, did yeah. you see it? I, I did see it. I did see it. And I also saw that the, their argument was, well, actually it's going to be taxpayers money that's going to be paying for these people to come back anyway um, from people that are already stranded holidaymakers so you might as well just give us this money so that we can effectively run as a, as a proper company um, I do wonder though is if this is um, Gret- one of new, Greta's new kind of like policies take down Thomas Cook and stop us from flying a little bit I wouldn't, I wouldn't one, one airline at a time she didn't do that so uh, Greta I'm sorry if you it's a shame I mean I didn't even realise Thomas Cook was still going I didn't they like I thought they died out like years ago died out as in like the company just you know went bust and finished i just Tom, who goes who go who flies by thomas cook anymore well, i do but anyway so wow. like, like, well, did oh. you did you see this um uh the x factor are starting a new celebrity version um it you was are. it was announced just a few days ago uh after years and years and countless seasons of x factor simon cowell started one where influencers celebrities uh kind of radio tv hosts are going to be taking part in the show i think it's a it's a last ditch effort to kind of boost ratings again or to, or to kind of inject some life into the brand mm. what do you think about this i stopped watching x Factor. X Factor um, after Pop Idol stopped, so um, sure, <laughs> which I'm was sure a while that was back. Nineteen eighty something. <laughs> it was a while. I'm not that old. I'm not that old. Um, I don't know. I think X Factor it hit a limit, didn't it? You kind of the, the only fun bits are the, the first few auditions where you can laugh at people that sing really badly um, and want Simon Cowell to give them an applause. Um, I feel maybe yeah, it's rejuvenating. Get a little bit. It's like when they did Big Brother and had the celebrity version to yeah. you know judge it up a little bit, and then that got really boring. And then they moved it over to a different channel, and then a different channel, and a different channel, and then yeah. they brought Love Island out because think, they were like, let's do another the, reality these show. These guys just need to know when to call it quits and say this <sighs> brand do. is finished. Well, did you see this? Did you see this? Uh, Nicola Sturgeon was accidentally struck by a, in the head. When she was playing string ball oh, bless uh, with her. some locals in in uh, I think it was in Scotland. But um, oh, did, you, um, did you see it? No, I didn't see it. I'm, I was so happy because I'm <laughs> sorry. You're that's a really violent thing to say, Michael. A swing ball. You're you're happy that she got hit in the head by a ball. Yes, yeah, a, a swing ball. Wow, it's a soft. I'm ball. learning so much about you during this podcast. I don't want her to be hit by a tree. I just want her. It's nice that she. Got so hit what's in the, the limit then? Like hit by a pumpkin? Uh no, I think swing ball is good. Let's start there. That's that's where you draw the line. Anything yeah. bigger than a swing ball is a no. So football. Yeah, I typically don't want people to be hurt, but I'm, you know, I, I hope that swing ball will kind of knock some sense into her. <laughs> I I don't I don't even know how to how to. It's alright. Wow. You 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 really like Nicholas Sturgeon, don't you? She's a woman. She's great. And did you see this? Um, just last week, uh, we had the presidential debates in America, and Joe Biden. Um, was attacked by I forgot I forgot the name of uh, another uh, person running who basically accused him and said are you losing your memory are you forgetting what what, what you said a couple of minutes ago essentially attempting to make it seem like you know because he's had this issue in the media where people thought, people say oh he's really old he doesn't really understand what he's talking about so he he basically attacked him saying hey no you, you have memory loss you have memory loss it didn't go well because people felt really uncomfortable by it but what's your mm. thought on, on essentially what's been called old shaming I think it's I think okay. There's two ways to it. Um, Joe Biden's only 76 compared to Donald Trump, who's 73. Um, and um, Jeremy Corbyn, who's 70. Um, FYI. Those of you that want to know. I don't know. I feel like there's... 
you get to a certain age you get to a certain age where you're your priorities are different to young people's priorities massively. I mean, I'm not that old, but already I feel like my priorities and 18-year-old's priorities are very different. Um, so I feel like if you're 76 or you're over 70 or you're hitting that, that age group as a politician, your priorities are going to be completely different. You're not thinking about the world in the same way. You, you know, the things that you want from life, you've already done. You know, longevity, for example, isn't necessarily on the cards for you. Climate change is not going to affect you that much. You might not care as much about it because you might not have that many years left. So I do think I that there's... Thank you. <laughs> so I do, I do think that there's, um, there is that aspect to it. Having said that, there is a lot of wisdom that can come from older people. And I think that memory loss is something that affects people of all ages. You know, people that suffer from depression and anxiety will have a lot of memory loss. Um, people that um, have Alzheimer's and dementia, they can get early onset as well that might hit you in your 40s and 50s. So it's not necessarily an age thing, but more of an ability thing. And if, if it came to, uh, you know, if politics came down to how well you can remember things rather than how well you can lead and actually be a great person and be able to properly lead uh, and reflect the, the views of your um, your voters, then I think we'd be in a completely different position. Um, but that's not the case. So um, I don't know. Joe Biden's in kind of like reminds me of Jeremy Corbyn. It's kind of like adorable, adorable ways. <laughs> Lovely. But you don't like you don't like well, Joe that, Biden that, either, that, right? That, that brings us to the end of the Did You See segment. The last thing to leave you with is some announcements. There are some of the announcements. One is this podcast is very much back with some life in it. So please subscribe if you haven't done so already um, so you can be notified when we post new ones. Also, what we want you to do is to share this with a friend. If you have a friend who you think, hey, you, need to, you ought to be up to date with politics and you're, you're really not, send them the podcast. Tell them to subscribe as well. And of course, leave a rating for us. Let us know how we are doing. Give us some comments. Give us some suggestions on how to be Tell better. us who you liked better, whether you liked me, Afshan, or me, Afshan. Yeah. So do that as well if you can. And just please, we want feedback. We want to engage with you. Please engage. And the last thing to say is, of course, this podcast is brought to you by the Common Sense Network. You can visit us at tcsnetwork.co.uk, read articles, watch videos, really find out what this network's about. What we want to do is invigorate, inspire, and get really active a new generation of, of, of political enthusiasts or, or folks who are up to date with current affairs, who care about what's going on. So, yeah, head over to Common Sense Network. If you don't follow us on social media, it is TCS Network everywhere on social media twitter facebook instagram um and anywhere else worth subscribing to youtube's youtube yeah tcs network as well the Commons network everywhere um the last thing to say is we're gonna have some exciting announcements to, to make next Ooh. week we've got some new projects coming out which you might be really interested in all in all you need to stay subscribed you need to stay connected to the network so if you haven't done so already join the network i can tell you one thing it's gonna be a crazy week coming up we've got lots of different things in the balance different uh party conferences happening it's, it's gonna be crazy so we hope to see you here next week monday where we're again gonna go through the week and try and make some sense of it this was let's talk common sense see you next week ciao